0: Welcome to the Million Vegan Grandmothers Podcast, and today I have Kate Kunkel. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Oh, I'm excited to be here as a great vegan grandma. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> well, Kate is all about vegan brain health, so this is really exciting to me. I have a I have a master's in plant based nutrition with uh, the Essenes and Gabriel Cousins and some other integrative physicians, and it's. Uh, Gabriel Cousins talks a lot about brain health, so I'm going to be really excited to have this conversation. So Kate Cungall turned her mother's tragedy, illness, and death from dementia into her mission in life. Isn't that the way it is? When we learn that this and most dementias are preventable, Kate, when she learned this, Kate expanded her healing work as a sound therapist and a vegan nutritionist and became both an AMEN certified Brain health professional and Apollo recode. Doctor Dale Brendenson,
1: coach medicine. Brendson, mm-hmm. okay. Doctor gonna... Dale, Brett. he's the man who wrote the end of Alzheimer's. We'll talk a lot about him.
0: <laughs> Love that. Now through her podcast, Brain Health Matters, which I haven't dove into yet, but I will. Her books, which include The Vegan Brain, and through personal coaching, Kate helps take action to remedy the mental and physical health issues that can threaten their ability to learn. Remember, make good decisions and enjoy life. And as Kate knows, and as I know, dementia starts way before, you know, there's a lot of issues involved. We we think that just starting to have a poor memory is just part of getting old, but that is not true. That's just what we've been told. A vocal and passionate advocate for the animals, Kate is also a grandmother of three. She is on a mission to help more people understand how their children's and grandchildren's lives and future depends on healthy brains, oh my goodness, without brain sovereignty, which she believes is best accomplished with the whole food, vegan lifestyle. Kate says it's never too early to look after your brain, but it can become too late. So
1: thank you, Kate, for being here. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Well, it sounds like your mother was a a great catalyst for you wanted to say, hey, you know, is this is this inevitable? Because dementia is hitting an all time high. Gabriel uh, said that when and he's been a vegan since the 70s, he said that when we went to this really low fat diet, what they did to make things taste better was increase the sugar in processed food and packaged food. And that's when brain Sovereignty really started going down. But my master's study is in the gut-brain connection. I studied the microbiome and that beautiful vagus nerve, so I'm sure you're going to talk about that. But Kate, let me ask you, when did your passion for veganism start?
1: It started in 1989 when I saw a, um, back then, of course, there was no online anything. It was a, a brochure from PETA, and it was the story of a downed cow. And boy, it broke my heart. I grew up in a farming community. That's what I knew. Um, but when I read this story about this poor down cow, uh, that was it. I went completely vegan right away. Unfortunately, as is the case back then for many of us who tried it and didn't have any background or education, it was just passion. Um, I didn't do a very good job of it. I, I got kind of sick because I was also just starting a new business and I didn't have much time. So I would go to a restaurant and I would have broccoli and a baked potato, which is fine, but not every day. And um, the neighbors down the way had a hot dog stand. Of course, I wouldn't eat the hot dogs, but they brought in soy hot dogs for me. So from time to time, I would have that. But that really was the extent of my food. I was eating very poorly. So I did get sick. And my husband at the time, uh, I lost three babies in pretty short order, not because of being vegan, but just because of a whole bunch of other stuff. And he said, you really have to start looking after yourself because this this is not sustainable. So I went back slowly and I turned my back on what I knew. And um, then 10 years ago, I went full on again because of my mom, because of what I learned. Firstly, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis 12 years ago. I cut out all animal products then, um, but I really became a whole foods vegan when I learned about mom and then I really started studying health. And I realized that what I was eating for the animals wasn't working for me with our rheumatoid arthritis and it sure as heck wasn't gonna work for my mom. So that's when I really got studying and I became a vegan nutritionist and I, you know, I dove into this, but the passion came from a poor downed cow. And even to this day, when I think of of anything about animals, I think of that poor cow. (laughs) So that was it. (laughs) long way, long answer, but that was it.
0: No, that's so perfect, you know, because many of us have this pivotal moment, a lot of people get into it for our own health, I mean, you know, it's it's when it stops us in its tra- our tracks, and we have to pay attention. We live in a world that's so fast paced, and is kind of made to turn us into little marching soldiers to some degree, just to kind of pay the bills and feed our families. And a lot of us don't have time to look deeper. But when it hits our health and our family's health, That's often and not always. I see a lot of people, I give them some answers to some really, you know, some really basic changes they can make for their health, but they're still not able to. So we know that we're pretty hunked into a really addictive food system and one that doesn't support brain health, gut sovereignty. And um, so I'm glad that you're teaching people. And so many people still insist that animal products are necessary for health. How do
1: you address that? Yeah, and- it's 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 a challenge as a brain health coach because, you know, and even with the Dr. Bredesen protocol, they still recommend a keto diet, but not with dairy. No dairy, just um, and actually, I think they even don't want anybody to eat anything but fish, which of course is not good. So it is a challenge, even in my world as a brain health coach, you know, being trained by these different people. Um it's even a challenge to talk to them about it, to the to the coaches of the coaches, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I start with saying, look at your teeth. Look at your teeth. Love it. We don't have the teeth for killing animals and eating them. So right there, that tells us we don't have to have this animal product right there. To me, that's that's the bottom line. We don't have the teeth to do it. And then, of course, we also don't have the intestines to do it because we have long, complicated intestinal tracts. And so I talk about that to people who are willing to listen to it. But I also just say, look, there are so where do you think all these animals get their food? I tell this to my grandson. He says, well, how do you get your protein? I said, honey, who's who's the strongest animal on the land? It's a gorilla. And what does he eat? Or an elephant? What do they eat? They eat plants, you know, so it depends on who I'm talking to but that's one way to start it or about the systems of what we are as human beings. We're not baby cows. Bottom line, we're not baby cows. And we know that a lot of people have serious issues with dairy. Well, maybe there's a reason people have a lot of serious issues with dairy. It's because we're not meant to to ingest it. No, we're definitely
0: not. And this is also such an amazing topic is as close to the earth as we can eat you know so when the cows are out eating and grazing and or the coyotes are eating all the berries because that's what's in season we can do the same you know we can eat as close to the earth as possible as soon as you cook stuff as soon as you switch it around manipulate the molecular structure of it it becomes less bioavailable so as close to the earth as we can eat and as close to our, our environment i would say right, Kate.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I live here in Ecuador and I can say this environment is amazing for being eating right the way it is because everything is available in abundance. Although a lot of people eat a lot of fish here where I live on the coast. So a lot of people eat a lot of fish um, and it's everywhere. But There's also vegetables and melons and like so many amazing foods. And I can go out any day. I've a garden here on my property as well. I can grow all year round. So I'm very fortunate to be able to eat fresh fruits and vegetables basically all year round from my backyard, basically.
0: Right. So everyone in Ecuador that eats a lot of fish, they're just doing it because that's what they thought they should do. And that's what they were taught.
1: They were taught.
0: But there's not a a food shortage supply. So in some cultures, maybe way, way up north in northern Canada, there might be the odd community that needs to still eat flesh. But we know that Ecuador, India, there's no reason anymore. Maybe one of the um, Spanish grandmothers may be able to present, do a beautiful presentation for some of the people that you live near, you know, saying that... We have plenty of food and maybe the traditional ancestor way was without, without touching, you know, any of the animals that are in the, the water, any of the
1: swimmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like where I am on the coast is very different, of course, than in the highlands. That's a completely different um, food um, culture. In the highlands, it's very different. Yeah. So it just depends on where you are. And like you said, up in the northern parts of Canada, then mm, there's not a lot of fruits and vegetables. There aren't a lot of fruits and vegetables. So yeah, you're gonna have to eat what's what's there. Right.
0: Right. Can you do a little comparison on the different diets that you have been researching that are quite popular now and how they can impact the brain? You know, for myself, I just got a, a letter from a beautiful friend of mine, an email from Dr. Shelly Ostroff, who started um, many communities, including the World Water Law. And she said, you know, one of my vegan friends has decided to go on a carnivore diet. And she <sighs> really didn't know if I could put together a letter to, you know, talk not only about the animals, because he already understands that piece, but he wasn't feeling well. And that's kind of what you talked about on your vegan diet. So many people go, b- go back because they're not eating in a way to thrive. There's there's junk food vegan, and then there's a way to eat and also to support our biochemical individuality. You know, we're individual by design and our gut is always changing. And for me, when I went vegan and I was healing Crohn's for a while, I really craved um. I really craved a bit of fresh food because I didn't get into veganism for the animals. I didn't under, I knew, but I didn't know yet. And I just really needed a higher protein diet. And I wasn't doing well with lentils in the beginning and stuff like that. So I had to eat more sprouts. And then I really introduced spirulina to my diet, which, which was so amazing. And so it's also becoming biochemical by design. And even teaching my partner, he says, lentils seem to get create a little bit of gout, he, my vegan partner, but when he sprouts them, they, they mm-hmm. don't. So yeah, it's kind of a long winded end of the question that I
1: asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think for many people, you know, we hear about the keto diet being so important, and in in Dr. Bredesen's program, it's a keto diet. Called, they call it KetoFlex, twelve three, and um, the idea is to get your bo- your brain to be burning ketones rather than carbohydrates, because that allows you to be sharper, uh, according to his um, protocols. And so keto, but you can be keto and vegan. You can get into ketosis as a vegan, absolutely. So, but that basically means you're burning fat. And that means you're going to eat more fat, and for many people, that means eating fatty fish. It means eating, um, you know, animal products that are high in fats. But we have this wonderful, um, like avocados have lots of fat. Um, coconut oil. I use a lot of coconut. Dr. Mary Newport's um, work in using coconut oil with with brain health is amazing. And so I use coconut oil and I recommend to my clients all the time. Um, So keto is about getting your brain to your body and your brain to burn fat rather than carbohydrates. So it's a matter of getting the number of carbohydrates down so that you can burn this fat. And yes, it absolutely for some people, that's how they lose weight. And that might be a good way to start because obesity is a huge problem for many, many people. And it's also a a risk factor for developing dementia. We know that if you are obese, you have a much higher chance of developing dementia later in life. So that's one way of doing it. But the other way is to do vegan keto same thing only you're eating nice clean foods so that's the keto diet we've heard about it now for years i mean when i was much younger i was on i was i forget the fellow's name he was famous for his protein and fat diet and he ended up dying of cancer (laughs) so that tells you something (laughs) Um, but anyway that's the keto diet and that because of that emphasis on animal sources of uh, protein and fat um, you know the problem with that is that you're not getting fiber. Anybody who's on that is not getting in a fiber so that you know that as a gut health, you know, advocate, you have to get lots of fiber, otherwise you're not going to operate properly. And all of those meats are going to get stuck in the colon and the intestinal tract, which we talked about already, because it's ours isn't for it's not designed for meat, it's designed for uh, um, vegetables and roughage things, we need more Fiber, So that's one of the problems with keto. Vegetarian, of course, a lot of people do that thinking they're being kinder and they're also trying to avoid some of the dangerous um, components of a diet with meat because it's got so many, besides the ethical matters, also the earth itself doesn't much care for raising animals for food because it's so hard on the earth and the water. But um, so people do tend to cut that out for that reason, and also for their health, because red meat, of course, we know is connected to cancer, colon cancer, and many other cancers. And chicken, of course, is just bad on so many levels. Um, So they go vegetarian. However, dairy is highly inflammatory, highly inflammatory. And for many, many people, it's just not something you should be ingesting. Um, it can disrupt the gut microbiome, it can just disrupt so many things. So that's the problem with vegetarianism. The, then the, then that you get into dairy and um, that's just not good for the brain at all. Even even in the Bredesen protocol, they recommend staying away from dairy with with all the other stuff. So, and the carnivore diet, of course, well, it's just a heart attack waiting to happen. I, I just, it, it amazes me that people consider that a carnivore diet is good for a People with with teeth that aren't carnivore teeth, we don't have. We can't digest raw meat very well either. People get very sick when they try to eat raw meat. You know, if you're going to be a real carnivore, then you'd be like a carnivore and eat raw meat. And we can't.
0: Yeah, I know some people do, but that's um, that's another podcast <laughs> that somebody else might want to take on. The dairy <laughs> the dairy thing though was huge, and I know the connection. I mean, I had continual ear infections. I was very allergic to dairy mm. as a and, a and a child, and. And it was it was dairy. It was dairy for sure. And the asthma and dairy links on unbelievable, you know, trying to get my daughters completely off of off of dairy products, you know, was a lot of work as adults, adults who really love their yogurt and their cheese. And that's what often happens in in the vegetarian world is they increase the the dairy products, you know, as as demonstrated in the documentary milked milk with a cheese fabulous documentary. I recommend all of our listeners to please watch this documentary Melk done in New Zealand by a Maori man and showing that all the water, all the aquifers, all the water, rivers, lakes are contaminated because of it's such a small country and there's such a lot of dairy production. So the elders are saying we can't swim anymore here. We can't drink from the water anymore and they're even concerned about how they're going to start to transition to plant-based milk because they don't have enough clean water to even do that so we know that dairy and and the dairy cattle are as Dr. Salash Rao says are one of the worst contaminators of the planet not by their no they're not they're not doing it humans are the humans that are raising the dairy and then the cruelty involved we never want to that as as grandmothers you know we're here we're here to protect the grandchildren of all species and that includes that ripping a calf away from its mother and she cries for a calf forever and you know for weeks is just there's nothing right about that so there's nothing right about dairy It is not a benign less harmful product and bringing that home is such an important important piece you know yeah thank you and So I do know from my own study, and I and I read um, in some of your work that you understand that inflammation and toxicity in the body, accumulated systemics, toxicity and inflammation are the root of all disease, including brain disease. And that we have this beautiful vagus nerve, this beautiful connection from our gut. I I say it's like a tree. It's this these roots all in our gut going up and, and into our heart and then into our brain and we actually know that for every neuron there's a certain number of microbes surrounding it and and helping it work so we do know that we need we need microbes and we need healthy ones in order to fight off another another virus that could potentially harm us if we have such a healthy microbiome we can fight this stuff off and we don't do it, eating animals and animal products. So would you like to talk a little bit about that, the,
1: the toxins,
0: the toxins and the gut brain connection? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. So I can tell you as a brain health coach trained by Dr. Bredesen, toxicity is one of the biggest issues of our time as far as brain and it's the hardest one to reverse. It takes a lot of dedication and a lot of work to undo the effects of, of toxins. So when we think about the feed that goes into the poor animals that are are either, with, either producing milk or eggs or that people are eating their flesh, the actual poor animal is full of these toxins because of what they're being fed. Genetically modified products um, covered in glyphosate, which is a right there that disrupts your gut. A glyphosate is at its heart an antibiotic. And what it does is it not, it doesn't just kill the bad, bad bugs, whatever that is, it kills all of the bugs in our our gut. And so that's why I truly believe so many people are not actually gluten sensitive, they're glyphosate sensitive, because the wheat and all other grains have been sprayed so mercilessly with these chemicals, including glyphosate, that it has become a, a endemic and toxin in our body. So that's why people have such problems. I mean, my brother-in-law, he was getting terrible eczema on his face. And they we said, cut out the gluten funny enough, it all cleared up, you know, and that's a, definitely a symbol of something going on in the gut. If you have rashes and that sort of thing, that's a gut issue at its root. So those are toxins, just that alone is, is toxic. But we also have to watch the toxins that come from even our fruits and vegetables, right? We still have to be very cautious as vegans, because while we're, we're enjoying all those wonderful foods that are close to the earth, we want to make sure they're not foods that are uh, poisoned and toxins, including glyphosate and and the million other um, weed and bug killers that are sprayed on them. So we know the environmental working group has their clean 15 and their dirty dozen, and you need to pay attention to those. It's a very good thing to keep um, our bodies as clean as possible. It's impossible to be 100%, hundred percent, right? The water is polluted. even if we've got filters, even if we're getting spring water, there are still toxins and they have a huge impact on our gut and they have a huge impact on our brain. You were talking about that the vagus nerve, the, it's I call it the communication superhighway. So we're sending information to all of our organs uh, back and forth. It's going it's a two-way street. And so whenever we've got toxins, they just don't stay in the gut. They can go everywhere, so we have to be very cautious of that because that also impacts then if we have those toxins and we have inflammation from the toxins, that's going to make an impact on how our brains function. It is possible for things to get through the blood-brain barrier. We thought before we used to believe that it was impermeable, but it is not. Those toxins can, in fact, go through, and, and that will impact our neurons it will impact the way our our brain cells talk to each other whether the the um mitochondria have enough energy to send the message whether the myelin sheath between like that runs along the axons whether it's going to be intact so those messages can go it's like taking off the plastic coating on a an electrical wire if you take that off then the chances are the message isn't going to get where it needs to go so those sorts of things can happen from toxins so our diets then we have to be very careful what's what's in what's in our mouth what are the components in there and unfortunately even if people are saying it's it's pasture raised and grass fed, it's still usually full of toxins. Because for everything that we eat, it goes into our flesh, but it's magnified for some poor animal who's being raised for its meat, those toxins are magnified over and over and over again as they eat and they put on weight and a lot of it is fat because that's what they are raised for with the fat marbled through, good beef is marbled with fat, So the toxins really stick to that. So that's a big sign right there um, that, that we shouldn't be eating the meat just for the toxins, just for the toxins, because it's all concentrated in those products think of the the breast milk of even human mothers now how how many chemicals and toxins are in there it's it's like everybody has it imagine what's in the, the in the breast milk of a cow those toxins are in her breast milk as well being magnified over and over again as it becomes concentrated in milk or in cheese and butter
0: so high on the food chain so very high on the food chain and yeah, and we are, we are exposed to so much more toxins in our environment. So we have to work harder, much harder than our grandparents had to, you know, to release this. And I know there's a lot of grain and wheat growing in Canada. I live in the prairies of Canada a lot and they desiccate it. So it's sprayed with Roundup. It's sprayed with glyphosate just before they harvest it. The non-organic, the non-veganic grains are sprayed with uh, chemicals to dry it to dry it quickly so they could harvest it so this is this is how crazy we've gotten <laughs> and we know to be certain that we need to protect ourselves we need to protect our brains because you know we could have a lot of plans we could be doing a lot of great work but if we lose our brain sovereignty we're <laughs> all, we all our work here is done And so we must, must, must protect our brain sovereignty. Yeah.
1: Yes. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Yeah. You can't make good decisions. You can't plan. You can't, you can't do anything without it. It's it's the control center, master control.
0: (laughs) Love and service is my friend's motto. Love and service. We're only here to love and serve. And it's really hard to do either one of those with, yes, without our brain sovereignty. And, you know, that kind of brings me to... The second last question I would like to ask you today, sure, it's it's about spiritual health. What does spiritual health have to do with brain health and how does that impact being a vegan? I know for myself, there was such a spiritual upgrade when I went vegan that I wasn't expecting. There was a, a knowing and a deeper connection. I had been doing, I've been doing spiritual energy work for a very long time. I'm a registered massage therapist, but I started studying with lots of different spiritual traditions. And I just felt it was so much easier for me to connect and know the right answer. So yeah, maybe you'd share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a couple of different reasons, I think, partly because when our body is not, again, filled with the toxins or the when we can, um, when our bodies themselves are more pure, It is much easier to get into a state of mindfulness and thoughtful action because we're not full of toxins. Our body isn't fighting itself to to stay upright, to continue operating. And from there, it goes to the brain because that connection is always there. So that's part of it. But I also believe that Firstly, we have four, I call it the four pillars of, spirit, of, of brain health, body, mind, and spirit, but it's also social connection. So there are four, but spirit is such a big part of brain health because we need to have purpose. We need to feel like we're here on this planet for something. And that's why for so many people, when they retire, their brain function goes right down because all of a sudden they have no purpose. Why are they here? They're watching TV or playing golf, or like doing nothing. They're not can they feel that they're not contributing. They feel that they have no purpose. So a big component of the spiritual health part of the brain is that we need purpose. And and for me, my purpose is to help others with their brain, but it's also to protect the animals. And um, I think that that as one focus for the vegan the vegan brain is going to be more healthy just because of that because of the focus but also as a vegan we are not ingesting the fear the pain that the animals have ingested because that energy never goes away right energy never stops it just changes form so if those poor animals are fearful they're in pain they're lonely they're isolated They're entrapped in some horrible birthing crate. They have feelings and now those those feelings are energy and that energy gets into what they are as well as who they are. So once somebody ingests those products, then they're going to ingest that energy. It doesn't go away. It just changes form. So it goes from that poor animal to you. And what does that do then to your heart, your soul, your brain? It's going to affect it. Even though you don't know, and I truly believe, I truly believe with all my heart that so much of the anger and, and craziness that's going on right now is because people are filled with bad energy, partly because of the way the world is, but it's a circular event. But I also believe that ingesting the products of animals that are fearful or killed in a terrible way, that energy is going to go in these people. And I truly believe that's one of the reasons the planet is is so nasty because you can't have good energy if that's all you ingest. It's got to affect you on some level. So that's going to affect your brain because when you're angry, all those neurotransmitters, the the good neurotransmitters aren't created. If you're fearful, you've got cortisol, you've got all those other hormones coursing through your body that change how your actual brain functions, how it sends messages across. So that's my feeling on the spiritual side of veganism.
0: Thank you. I have had all those thoughts and all those feelings and all that all that upgrade, you know, from going vegan and and having this deeper sense of connection to the, I was always a child of the earth, as my granddaughter said to me the other day, Oma, do you always, for do you always paint trees because you're nature? <laughs> oh, how sweet. <laughs> and it's she knows, you know, her grandmother, there's nothing more important than being barefoot on the earth. And. And I don't want, I read a book many years ago and it said that, I think it was called The Last Child in the Woods or The Last Child in the Forest. I can't remember which which it is. And it was it was preparing us for what will happen if the children lose their connection with nature, if they're on these devices all the time and how much sovereignty they're going to lose just not being connected to nature and that deep ability to source the right action by being connected to nature. So when I found out that animal agriculture is destroying our planet, and I love, I love, I don't, I don't like going out in nature. As my granddaughter said, you are nature. Do you paint trees on because you're nature? And when we remember that we are nature, we're not separate. So we realize we're destroying ourselves. And my book, Earth Gut, was written and named for that reason. The subtitles, The Story of Peace, Love and Microbes, because Earth. Is our gut, the earth we partake in that we praise or we poison? That's what's going to show up in our gut. As you mentioned earlier, it shows up in the umbilical cord of mothers. The difference between the, the amount of neurochemicals in the umbilical cord of a mother that's vegan, whole food vegan, and one that's not. There's been research done on that, is quite different. Up to 200 neurotoxins in umbilical cord of an. That's what the babies are being fed. And sometimes less than a handful for a vegan whole food, organic vegan whole food mother. So there's a lot of reasons for us to protect our children right from the very beginning. We are here to protect our children. And this isn't this isn't difficult, is it? I, I mean, I teach, my greatest passion when I teach food is, let's just see how easy it is and I have my food processor out and it's like we're going to make a cabbage salad and at the same time we're going to have our sauerkraut because I'm just going to massage a little bit of salt and and I love I am so passionate to make people realize it tastes so darn good and it is so easy once we know
1: how to do it so that's that's it about the easy yes people say, Oh, I could never spend that much time in the kitchen. Well, it took me exactly um, 20 minutes to make a whole meal last night. That was absolutely amazing. Raw, organic, fresh fruits and vegetables, 20 minutes.
0: Yay, you're my soul sister.
1: Yeah, like it's so easy to do and like making things like nice cream, because it's hot here all the time. So i I never really was an ice cream fan, but nice cream, you know, with the bananas and I can mix the fresh fruits, the mangoes, the coconut milk, all of those wonderful things in it and and put it in the freezer. And an hour later, I have a soft serve and it's so good. And it's so easy. It takes like no time. And of course here, bananas are 20 for a dollar. (laughs) so I can eat them until I can't think anymore. (laughs)
0: I love it. Thank you very much for being here. And and <laughs> a little shout out, one one thing. I know that there's a lot of whole food plant-based people watching this and listening and who don't do any added oils. And so um we respect that and know that if you choose to use the coconut in the whole form instead of in milk or coconut oil, you're still getting that beautiful nourishment of the coconut. And yeah, that's highly respected and loved and appreciate all whole food vegans in this arena. And here we are, big shout out for our grandmothers that are rocking it, right? Look at this, I don't know, the grandmothers I talk to, the vegan vegan grandmothers I talk to say, they're busier than they've ever been. So they just have lots, once you get passionate in this and you know that you're here to protect human, to create human earth and animal liberation for our children, for the next seven generations if this will be and for ourselves so that we can walk in and be the representation of what growing old looks like right I mean I'm super excited about that right my, my grandson is always getting from his father that vegans can't be strong so I have this argument with his father this gentle argument with his father through my six-year-old grandson and <laughs> shortly after I get probably the 10th time he brings it up, I start giving him little, little pieces on my computer, but this strong vegan and that strong vegan, he said, dirt not vegan. So then his father's argument was, well, they use bad vitamins. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know if that's so true. We got talking about that. And then he said, I think you should arm wrestle my mom. And which was so funny because we never arm wrestle. And this is what I mean when I talk about what's in the ethers, whether it's, you know, the pain and suffering of an animal or just the knowing that our grandchildren have. We don't arm wrestle in our family, but my brother won the Canadian Arm Wrestling Championship many years ago. So I'm thinking, where's this boy getting this arm wrestling idea? And so his mother works out every day. She's half my age and lifts heavy weights, and I don't, I do some yoga, and I'm a massage therapist, she couldn't beat me with either arm, you know, so I'm like, and and I only bring that up, it's not a bragging thing, because I was surprised, actually, I thought for sure she was going to put me down, and she couldn't, and part of it was the inner strength, and the core energetics that we get, because literally, I held her in place, until she fatigued, and I have that strength,
1: Yes.
0: And I'm not saying this for any other reason other than why Gabriel Cousins says he could still do 2000 pu- consecutive push-ups a day. Yeah. And
1: yeah. Because,
0: and he's 80 this year. He says, we don't get less flexible, we don't get more weak, and we don't lose our brain sovereignty unless we're doing things that harm it. So
1: yes, I wish exactly. All of you-
0: healthy brain, a healthy vegan brain. I thank you, Kate, for being here. And I thank you for being a vegan, one of the million vegan grandmothers. Thank you.
1: It's a pleasure. Thanks, Tammy.